Welcome to Diary of a New Grad Speechy, your go-to podcast for uni students or speechies who know a little about a lot, giving you handy tips and tricks to survive in the real world, the stuff that no one prepares you for. Hi guys. Hey everyone. And welcome back to Diary of a New Grad Speechy. We are your hosts, early career speech pathologists, my name is Ash. And I'm Cass. So it's been a few weeks since we have just had an episode between Cass and I, and we're so excited to be back talking to you guys. Definitely. We thought in light of last week's episode where we spoke to the wonderful Julia, who is a director of a private practice. P.S. If you haven't already listened, then you definitely need to go back and listen. But in short, we spoke about the transition from uni life to a new grad role, which involves interviews and handling your first caseload and all of the stresses involved. So today on the podcast, we decided to continue the conversation here and talk about interviews more. But before we get started, how was your week, Ash? Any client wins or flops? Uh, I have had a client win, actually, which is so lovely. So a client who I... Yeah, it's so nice. A client who I see, we are subtly doing social skills because they do have motor speech issues but we've been working on them you know doing greetings and when they come into the waiting room you know talking to the receptionist and letting them know why they're there and that type of stuff and when they came in for their last session they did the greeting and the initial with the receptionist so well and I was just so proud of them and yeah it was just awesome oh that's so nice and it's good that you celebrated some of those little wins yeah it's nice what about you Cass did you have any client wins or flops this week (laughs) well consider this not a flop I would say um it's definitely not a win Mm. I had a little five-year-old who isn't using many words yet at the moment but he thought it would be hilarious to come and sit on me and I thought he was coming over for some sensory you know cuddles and deep pressure and so I was like cuddling him and he thought it was hilarious to fart (laughs) so loud on my leg and continued to do it and his mom (laughs) I had to pretend I didn't care I was like it's totally fine my boyfriend does it all the time and I was like deep down I was like this five-year-old kid Smarter than what I think. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Imagine what was going through his brain like, this is hilarious, just keep smiling. <laughs> yeah. And I could feel the vibrations as well. I was like, oh. <laughs> that's disgusting. Oh, well, that's good. Every time someone farts or a child farts in the session, my mum said it's actually poo particles. And I don't know if that's <laughs> right or not. <laughs> But ever since then, every time I smell a fart, I'm like, oh my God, their poo is going into my nose. It's gross, hey? Yeah. I'd almost rather that than vomit though. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, actually, I don't know. Let us know, guys. For you guys listening at home, do you prefer farts or vomit? But anyway, let's get into today's episode. I remember when I was a student and we had an assessment, which was an interview for a private practice and we had to prepare for it as we would in the outside world. And it was so strange to be talking with my lecturer at the time in such a formal way and literally about a job that was not real. And I really had difficulties trying to relate to it. It was really tricky for me. And then it got me thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to be doing these interviews in real life. And I literally have absolutely no idea how to prepare for them 
or what I even need to be doing. Yeah. And I suppose it's good that uni did that practice with you because I can say that for me personally, we didn't have any of that practice. So you're sort of going in blindly, but I can see how that would have been really unnatural for you. So I guess we decided just on that, that we're going to be sharing our experiences so far as you and I both, Ash, have had two different interview experiences throughout our careers. Yeah. How many interviews have you done since graduating? I only had two interviews so far. What about you, Cass? Maybe five. Okay, so you have a little bit more experience than me. And did you feel that they were all similar or were were they very different? The private practice ones were quite similar Mm -hmm. um, in just terms of like what they were asking, whereas the Queensland Health one was different. Okay, well, let's get into that because I think that leads us into the first topic for the interviews. It's we were going to discuss interview styles. As you said just then that the private practice interviews that you had were quite similar, but then the Queensland Health was very different. So can you give a little rundown of what happened in a private practice interview compared to the Queensland um, government interview? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. And I think you sort of go in there feeling you know, you don't know what to expect. I found with the private practice ones, it was really comfortable. You were going in there to have a chat, really, although they ask you questions and there's obviously expectations. It's, um, you've got an equal role in that interview as much as they do. So a lot of just discussion based questions. Yeah. Um, and you know, each question opens up a new discussion and, and that was welcomed. Yeah. Whereas I felt in the Queensland Health one, it was very structured and timed. So you weren't, you know, each question led on to another question. It was never a discussion. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was quite stressful because the Queensland Health one was a panel as well. Mm-hmm. So there's more people, there's just all these faces staring at you, taking notes. So I could see how intimidating it would be you know, talking to a panel and there's none of that back and forth conversation. Because I feel like in the private practice interviews that I've had, you feel really comfortable when you say something and then the employer says something back and then you have a little conversation about it and a joke and you're like, oh, you know, this is actually great. In those interviews where it's just a panel, if you were to say something and they don't give you anything back, I would just feel, you know, like, oh, okay. And I think you start to psychoanalyze yourself from what you're saying. Yeah. And you just overthink it. You're like, okay, that was shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not getting the job. <laughs> yeah. But I, that's good to know. And I think we could say that, you know, private practice, expect it to be a little bit more relaxed. But if you're going for a government role where there is a lot of applicants for it to be very structured. And did you ever have to do group interviews? Because I know that is something that happens. No, luckily I didn't have to do that. Okay, well, let's talk about a little bit how we prepared for the interview. Cass, do you have two tips that you would give to someone preparing for an interview? First one that I have learned along the way, and this is going off of what Julia said as well, and I think the first one that's really important is research the business But not only that, look at their values and usually they might have like three or five values and pick out those keywords from the values and then incorporate that into your answers. Mm -hmm. So for example, their values might be like team culture and you might say in your answer, I really value team culture and I know that's something you value as well so that they can see that you've spent the time to look at that and apply that to yourself. Yeah, definitely. That's an awesome tip. 
what's your next one? My next tip is always make a joke. I'm somebody that is very like, I don't know, how would you describe me? Like would always laugh at anything. Yeah. Laugh when embarrassed. (laughs) Yeah. Makes a joke when it has nothing else to say. So I think always make something that's like, obviously you can read the person that's interviewing you. And if they're like really structured, you probably wouldn't make a joke. But if you feel like it's going to break the ice a little bit, I would always make a joke about something. That's good how you said you can read, read the person. So maybe I would suggest Cass off that not making a joke in the panelled interviews or would you make a joke? Absolutely not. (laughs) Look, if you make a joke, you'll probably get no laughs and then it's just like crickets playing in the background. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely read the situation. But I found in my experience, like being more easygoing and having fun, especially if you're going for a pediatric role, shows that kind of personality type. Yeah. And as Julia said previously, they want to make sure that your personality fits in with the with the business as well. So that's a nice way to show your personality in that way. Good tip. Yeah. Thanks, darling. Do you have any tips that you would give for preparing for an interview as well? Yeah. So my first one would be to actually know why you're applying for the job and why you want the job. Yeah. As we know, when you're out of uni, you're literally like, oh, I'll apply for this, I'll apply for that, I'll apply for this. But what, why do you actually want to work for the business apart from you just want a job? And I found that really helpful because, you know, they do ask that. So that's my first tip. My second tip would be as soon as you walk into the premises, you need to be performing because the reception's looking at you, other workers are looking at you, and after the interview... They all have, they don't all have discussions, but you know, they see how you were acting in the waiting room and how you spoke with the receptionist and that type of stuff. And that all forms a judgment as well. So take a deep breath before you go into the premises and then you're literally the best person that you can be for that hour. So true. I, I know when at work, if we're like hiring somebody or at my old work, if we used to hire someone, I'd like poke my head out and be like, what do they look like? You know, are they just sitting there on their phone or are they actually like making the effort with the reception staff? Because I think like you said, it just creates that image of what you're like and it sets the tone. Mm, Yeah, definitely. So I guess that leads us into the next part, Ash. Let's talk about the types of questions that we have been asked personally in interviews. What's the first one that you've been asked? Yes. And this is the trickiest part. I think preparing for interviews, you can look the part You can think that you are the best person for the role, but how do we actually prepare for the questions when we literally have no idea what is going to be asked? So I think the most common ones that I've been asked so far is what are some strengths and weaknesses, Mm -hmm. which is quite common. Yeah, and one piece of advice that I got from a colleague was, have your weaknesses, but then always link it back to how it can be a strength or how that or how you acknowledge that it is a weakness and if you have any actions to help yourself. Another question that I've been asked is what do you bring to the business and why should they hire you? That's a hard one because you have to like have full faith in yourself, mm-hmm. especially as a new grad, you're so timid, but bloody go for it. Strong, independent woman or oh, man. I've been asked about if there's any PD courses that I know of. So it's always good to be well-researched in the area that maybe courses you want to do or something, you know, the business is really big on. So definitely have like three to five up your sleeve. Yeah. 
that's a good idea. And just maybe look at what areas that business really works with. Mm. Yeah. Good idea. What else? Yeah. I've also been asked questions like, how do you contribute to team culture? You know, what do you do to show that you're a part of a team? As you said previously, if you're putting in their culture vocabulary into your sentences, you need to really be able to back and show how you actually contribute to the team culture. Yeah. Definitely. Have examples up your sleeve. Yeah. I've been asked a question as how do you deal with conflict within the workplace? So not parents, like in between colleagues, which is a really tricky one because I never know what was the right or wrong answer. That's a real, yeah, that's a hard one, especially if you don't have any experiences to draw on as well. Sometimes just off that, I have related it to how I've dealt with conflict in a previous job between a colleague or something like that or what I've observed and then kind of like my reflection on the observation. Oh, yeah. You know, like if it wasn't, if the conflict wasn't between you two, if it was between two other colleagues, maybe you could reflect on that and say, this is how, what you would have done. Or I don't know if you can't really relate to that question, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's hard. I've also been asked if a parent or client doesn't agree with what you're saying, what do you do or what mm-hmm. would you do? Which is tricky. <laughs> yeah, so tricky. Because again, if you haven't had any experience so far, you can just reflect on situations within your previous role even if you were in retail and you know you had a disagreement with a customer it's still a customer parent is still a customer for speech pathology so I think if you're looking in that way one that I have been asked as well is how do you deal with stress management our favorite question (laughs) (laughs) crawl up that's my bed eat chocolate (laughs) cry Yeah, no, but I think it's super relevant, especially asking a question as for a new grad and, you know, they haven't worked in the workplace before and, yeah, super relevant. So know your staff about how you deal with stress and your strategies for sure. I've also been asked a lot of case-based questions and they'll often give lots of scenarios Mm -hmm. and you do have to have like those therapy approaches and assessments up your sleeve to just pull out because you have no idea what they're going to ask you. And you always have to have your clinical reasoning on point too. Which is tricky because if you are going for a role within zero to 18, you know, that's potentially 18 years that you have to kind of know about. But I would say give it your best shot. And, you know, if you answer the best as you can, but if the employer can just see your reasoning and why you would do it and you can just justify the reason why, then I think that's exa- that's what they want to see, whether it's right or wrong, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And talking about like what toys you'd use and things you'd be looking for really shows that you've got that whole picture. Yeah. About everything. Yeah. So for example, I've been given assessment scores before and kind of little case history and just asked how I would plan assessment and what my first step would be. Yeah, I think it's quite common to do that. So just be confident. Another question I've been asked is how do I have job satisfaction within the workplace, which I found a little bit tricky to answer because I've never had that question before. Yeah, that is tricky because you kind of don't really want to tell the workplace how to run their business to make you happy. So that is that is a hard one. I don't even know what I'd say to that. <laughs> yeah, what should I say? Something like from memory. 
making a to-do list and having jobs that I need to get done by the end of the day and I get job satisfaction when I'm able to complete them Ooh. or something like that. It's actually a really good answer. You know, because, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Would you hire me? Um. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that I have been asked actually is something along the lines of is what is your approach to ensuring high-quality evidence-based therapy approaches? Well, so yeah, make sure you just know a little bit about how you can access evidence base and journal articles and stuff outside of university. Yeah, that's really, really important. Um, I think uni focuses so much on being evidence based. And then I think as soon as you finish, you're like, oh, yeah, no, never have to worry about evidence again, whereas you do. And bosses want to know about that as well. That underpins everything we do. Is there any other questions you've been asked, Cass? One of the last ones that I've been asked in all of my interviews that I've had, which makes me think it's quite a common question, is what areas of practice are you interested in? So Mm -hmm. I think be really open and honest with your answer. Don't be afraid to say, oh, I really like feeding, but I don't have any experience in that. So yeah, just speak up um, about that because they really want to know what you like so that they can be that best for you as well have you been asked that question Ash yeah I have and I guess that also ties into the job satisfaction as well you know if you really enjoy feeding I'm just relating it back to you Cass if you really enjoy feeding and you don't say that when they ask you that question and then they give you a role that's just middle school middle high school language you know you your jobs you wouldn't have job satisfaction so that's a really good point and question to ask Okay, so we put up a post on our Instagram this week and asked you guys if you had any further questions regarding interviews and we got some really great questions. So Cass, let's get into them. Yes. One of the first questions that we got asked, which is a really good one, at the end of interviews, they always ask, do you have any questions? What are your go-to questions you tend to ask the employers? Mm. Great question. And I think... This is super important and it always really impresses the employers because it gives them a chance to talk. Yeah. And again, it shows that you've researched the company, you're invested in it, you really want this job, you've taken the time out of your day to, to look into it. 100%. Yeah. It shows you're so keen. So what would you ask, Cass? I would always ask what they are looking for in a candidate. So you can figure out like if you match, if your answers match theirs. Mm-hmm. And if it hasn't already come up in the interview, I will always ask about the pay. Mm-hmm. Which can be a bit tricky. 100%. Yeah, well, so daunting. Or not tricky, I think just awkward, I find. Talking about money, I find it a bit awkward. And especially as a new grad, just asking that question. But how do you normally go about it? So I would say, depending on the role, I would say, for example, obviously this is a full time role. I, I understand your hourly requirements um, or KPI requirements if that's already been set out in the interview and then I would say something along the lines of I've had a look at the award rates um, and you advertised on the ad that you were offering above the award I was just wondering if you would be able to give a set figure of what you'd be offering for this role and then go from there I suppose so it shows a little bit of like you know what you're worth as well and you know what you should be getting paid and things like that. For sure. What was our next question? So our second question was appropriate interview attire, Hmm, which is a good one. I would say quite ambiguous. 
sometimes. Yeah, so I've always dressed, I don't even know how you'd say it, not smart and casual, but like business smart and casual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just don't wear your Burks in and you'll be fine. Literally. Don't wear jeans, I, I would say. Don't wear anything revealing. Singlets, no. uh, I don't know. Depends on the weather, but probably no. Typically, I'd go for slacks, you know, whatever yeah. colour, and just a nice T-shirt and closed-in shoes. Or, you know, like a nice pencil skirt and that type of stuff. Yeah, definitely avoid jeans. I think that's a bit too casual for an interview. 100%. Mm. And I would probably say if you're applying for a peeves job, I would dress what I would wear to work at a peeves job. So pants, obviously, or, yeah, little cute Yeah. And another thing is probably have your hair up because I feel like that's just etiquette and it looks a bit neater in my experience. Yeah, definitely. Have your hair nice, neat and tidy, even though if your hair's beautiful down, put it in a low pony. (laughs) Yeah. What's the third question? So somebody has asked, if you don't hear back, when is an appropriate time to follow up? Oh, good one. I would say typically in the interviews that I've had so far, they've given me a rough time frame. And if it's gone two or three days out of that time frame, I would then send an email and just to follow up, you know, because they have given that time frame. Yeah, I do the same. It's not like 9am on that day that they said that I'm following up. I think it's, you know, a few days after that's appropriate. And I'd just clarify that at the end of the interview, if they haven't said, I'd just ask when you should hear. Yeah. But definitely follow up if you haven't heard. What was the next question, Ash? The fourth question we got was, any suggestions on what to take to an interview? Should you take evidence of work, etc.? Good question because I know at uni we had to do a portfolio mm-hmm. in our final year of like all the work that we did and it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. The same. Yeah. And they were like, you need to bring this to your job interviews. And I was like, I don't want to print out 150 pages of paper, but I was like, all right. And in my experience so far, I have not had to show that. I didn't even bring it with me because I asked who were interviewing me if I should bring anything and they said no. So I took that as, okay, no one wants to read my portfolio. That took me like two weeks. No one wants to read my 200-page portfolio of all the wonderful things that I've done. (laughs) Instead, I can tell you in two short sentences. Exactly. (laughs) That's a good idea. And, yeah, maybe just to send an email or... Or call them and say, what would you like me to bring for the interview? If you don't get a chance to do that, you know, there's no harm in bringing certificates that you've done or even if you've got your portfolio there, just bringing it just in case as a backup. The last question that we got was, how would you answer a question like, what can you offer us that someone else cannot? So it's tricky to remain humble, but also want to put your best foot forward. Mm which is hard because I know just my personality and myself, I find it really hard to talk about myself in, in a way like that because I feel really cocky. Yeah. You know, it's hard to balance. I think you can just draw back on what you've said in the interview and you can say, Oh, I've noticed that my values really match yours as a business. And I think I would fit in great with the team and I've got a, I really want to learn and you can give me that learning. I think just put it as what you can offer them, but what they can also offer you as well. And, you know, interviews are really tricky and your first interview out is going to be 
really tough only because it's your first one and it's your first professional interview, but they do get a little bit easier as time gets on. Like there are some standard questions that are asked. So, you know, you won't have to prepare as much for the next one, you know, and it's, it kind of is like that. Just reflect and get some feedback where you can and you'll keep building your skills. And the next question that we got was, what do you do if you get rejected from the job that you really wanted? Uh, Orkies. I would say always be professional and send a really lovely reply and thank them for the opportunity. 100%. Because you never know in the future, you might be working with them or you might have to do cross-referrals. So definitely be professional. Yeah. And you never know, like in... In the future, at that current time, you might not have been the right fit, but, you know, in a few months' time, they might have a role for you. And then they might email you, but if you didn't reply and were kind of a bit sour about not getting the job, they're going to be like, oh, well, you know, we'll just hire again and find someone else. It's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. Just because it's not now doesn't mean not forever. Yeah, that's so true. Good advice, Cass. So wise. (laughs) well I think that is all we have time for today we hope that we have given you a little bit more information into the interview process and given some example questions that you can maybe practice I know it's definitely that time of year for job applications so Mm -hmm. good luck guys for all you guys entering the workforce at the end of this year good luck and happy job hunting it is tricky but definitely rewarding and know that the right job for you will come along yep definitely and don't settle either just because you feel like you have to have a job good advice very good advice (laughs) (laughs) well thank you guys so much for listening and let us know what you thought about this episode on our instagram at diary of a new grad speechy stay tuned for episode 11 releasing next sunday where we give you bang for your buck Bang for your buckaroonies. <laughs> Buckaroos. This time we're talking about lots of bucks. But definitely worth the buck given. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Diary of a New Grad Speechy with your hosts, Cass and Ash. If you like what we have to say, please give us a follow on Instagram at Diary of a New Grad Speechy. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review below. Thanks so much and see you all next week. Bye. Bye.